This is episode seven of My Digital Life with Rob Greenlee for July 16th, 2013. I'm Rob Greenlee. Thank you for listening to the show this week. We're back after a two-week hiatus, but uh, I'm happy to be back in the seat again. Thank you for tuning in. The topic this week is the future of in-car and on-demand radio and how podcasting and radio content will blend together in the car. The other thing uh, we'll discuss is possible changes coming to broadcast radio. Does radio need some of the current podcast talent to succeed in the future? Uh, We're going to cover all those topics. Yeah, I'm going to spend a few minutes with broadcast radio and media research consultant Mark Ramsey from markramseymedia.com to discuss the topics of the week in this episode. And I can be reached at rob at robgreenlee.com, and that's R-O-B-G-R-E-E-N-L-E-E.com, or on Twitter at Rob Greenlee, same spelling, or in iTunes or in Windows Phone's podcast area, Stitcher and SoundCloud is uh, where you can get this podcast. I manage the podcasts on Windows Phone for Microsoft. And if you have a podcast and you want to get it in the Windows Phone catalog, please send it to me at uh, the email address podcasts with an S at Microsoft.com. So let's dive into the topic this week. I spoke with Mark Ramsey back in 2005 for my IT Conversation Network uh, show that I was doing back in 2005. Uh, the show was called Web Talk with Rob Greenley, And I will share a link to that interview in the blog post so you can optionally check it out. And, or we talked about the potential of podcasting in the face of shrinking radio audiences and how celebrities, major celebrities, will lead the audience growth in podcasting in, in the early days of podcasting. So it's a little glimpse back in time a little bit, and I'll play a little snippet here from the interview in 2005. It seems like, anyway, in the mind. Well, you know, satellite radio has a toehold. Podcasting has a toehold. Uh, internet radio has a toehold. All of these things have only toeholds. Here's the thing about radio. It's universal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone has many, not just one, Everyone, uh, virtually everyone listens to at least some, and even though people listen less because of internet, listen less because of podcasts, they still come by the radio store. They still listen to the radio product. So when you have access to, you know, 350 million ears, give or take, Mm -hmm. uh, the question is uh, how you use that access. Um, The audience is ours to lose, is the way I look at it. And you keep or lose an audience based on the content you provide them. And the more distinctive and more compelling that content is, and who can better afford more distinctive and compelling content than an industry which earns boatloads of money hand over fist yeah. uh, today mm-hmm. with 100% distribution? I mean, this is, the, this is the wet dream of satellite radio, to have that kind of distribution. And also, when you think about um, what the future holds here, that the whole um, broadcast area is going to maintain its dominance too. I mean, from all of the studies that I've heard about is that broadcast radio is not going to diminish its influence or reach um, in the foreseeable future. People are just going to augment their radio, their broadcast radio listeners with podcasting. Well, yes, except, um, you know, for satellite radio to add a million subscribers is a mm-hmm. huge boon for them. Mm-hmm. For radio to lose a million quarter hours is not that big a deal. Yeah, well, that's true. You know, because radio, uh, on the other hand, it's not that big a deal, but 
in terms of raw numbers, but it turns out that when you've got 100% distribution and uh, virtually everyone listening to you, mm-hmm. it doesn't take much for you to feel a pinch. You know, it's not that big a deal in terms of raw numbers, but it is that big a deal overall because everyone's expected to grow annually. Mm-hmm. And when you're shrinking, even at 100%, you know, there's really only one direction to go. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's, that's a problem. Because all these other things have a toehold. It is radio's audience to lose. But uh, I, I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, as content migrates to uh, some of these other venues, um, we'll see. I mean, I just read today some speculation that um, uh, Sirius and uh, Apple are talking not about licensing Sirius, um, uh, you know, regular channels, but uh, potentially licensing their original content mm-hmm. to um, iTunes. And as you know, as I'm sure you've talked about, iTunes is going to be enabling podcasting yeah. in their next version. Mm-hmm. So when you put those pieces together, what you have is original serious content potentially uh, available, at least for subscription, if not for free, through iTunes for podcasting. And keep in mind that among that original content, starting January 1, 2006, is uh, none, other, none other than Howard Stern. Mm-hmm. You have now uh, a distribution platform, which is potentially vast oh, yeah. for a product which is unquestionably unique and compelling, and, yeah. and in demand. Yeah, and I think also when you kind of look at it from the standpoint of um, the new cell phones or mobile phones that are going to be coming out over the next couple of years, that are going to going to have you know always on you know connections and be able to have massive storage capacity within those phones, you, you can really see kind of a new distribution model. But I guess the, the, the question that keeps coming up in my mind, if that does in fact happen, is that will that distribution be dominated by talk radio type programming or will it be dominated by a combination of talk radio and music, which is what exists right now in the broadcast radio space? Well, the difficulty, as you know, is that, um, that there are licensing issues with music. Mm-hmm. And that are uh, so far unresolved uh, that someone has to pay to podcast music, and it's unclear who has to pay and how much and to whom. So all of that needs to be squared away. But there is other types of music out there that that well, is there's indie music. Those. Yeah, mm-hmm. and in fact, one of my one of my uh, arguments that I made on a, a different uh, show was that uh, you know I think uh, indie music has the potential to be a prime driver for podcasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, you know it's put out by the people who own it, and um, you know it's uh, that that could be a, a prime driver. In no way is prime as Howard Stern. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. So my answer to your question is: original, unique, broad-based, and compelling content, uh, star content, is is what drives everything. You know, Nelly sells more records than Joe Blow, mm-hmm. undeniably. Um, so a Joe Blow uh, indie podcast would have X amount of distribution, and a Nelly podcast would have X to the tenth power distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, so the more Nellies you create, and by the way, Nellies are not going to easily be created by podcasting. They can profit by podcasting, but they need mass media yeah. uh, in order to, for their uh, fame to uh, uh, spread. So I, I think, you know, music or non-music, it's easier with non-music than it is with music because non-music content can be uh, star content. 
music content uh, until these licensing things are worked out is going to be indie content. And, you know, indie is, they call it indie for a reason. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is that the the celebrity um, is going to really be who dominates podcasting? Well, I mean, look, I mean, even though the quality was poor, look at the Paris Hilton podcast mm-hmm. for House of Wax. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what the statistics are, but I would venture a guess that was one of the most downloaded series of podcasts yet. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, <laughs> why? The quality was horrible yeah. uh, of what the content was, but it didn't matter. It was, a, it was Paris Hilton, and B, it was widely promoted by... Um, whatever the studio was, uh, Dimension yeah, or whatever it yeah. was. Uh, so, you know, the combination, in other words, of the man, <laughs> uh, the big corporate behemoth yeah. man, um, putting together the star uh, with the medium. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's also iTunes and Sirius and Howard Stern could be mm-hmm. that combination. Mm-hmm. But somewhere in the mix here, this whole grassroots content creation boom that we're seeing happening is is going to play into this somehow. It, it just, you know, like you were talking about, when you factor in the the influence of celebrity um, on that, it, it does put um, put the um, the distribution more going to towards celebrity related podcasts. And I've always famous, believed basically. that. I've always believed that it's gonna it's gonna be uh, drifting in that direction. Yeah, but it's also possible that. As you look at the, the the whole mass of content creation that's going to happen with podcasting, that the the smaller podcasts, when you aggregate all those together, could wind up being a significant influence as well. And and that's part of the reason why I think we're seeing networks of podcasts start to form here. And well, I think also the reason you're seeing networks is because um, people are looking towards an advertising model, and mm-hmm. in order to justify an advertising model, they need to they need a critical mass. Mm-hmm. So they need to form a network for that reason and that reason alone, um, because otherwise these things are all individually too small. I mean, I think that all the, the grassroots stuff is great, but you know, just because you can do desktop publishing on your laser printer doesn't mean you're going to replace the local newspaper. Yeah, well, that's, um, that's just because true. you can produce a movie on your laptop, uh, it doesn't mean you're going to be lunching with Steven Spielberg at the at the polo lounge. Uh, in fact, uh, very much the opposite is the case. You know, mm-hmm. for every um, uh, uh, Blair Witch Project, there are countless thousands of indie films which eat up money and go nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ability to create this content and the ability to have it, you know, widely heard, seen, remembered, cared about are two completely different things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this now some stars may emerge. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we've seen a little bit of that already, I think. But with know, who? Um, you know, with some, you know some of the podcasters that have been able to get some some traction and some press out there. Uh, yeah, uh, possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, there are even I mean, it's not uh, huge numbers by any means. No, but I mean, again, if if uh, I think one of the reasons why Infinity is doing their experiment in San Francisco with an all podcast radio station mm-hmm. is to um, to create a farm team mm-hmm. of talent. Because if they find anything particularly compelling out of all those contributions, uh, why not put it on the radio? Yeah. Where it can really do some good, really move some needles, really generate some revenue, and really, you know, satisfy a lot of listeners. Fast forward eight years to 2013 today, and how have things changed? Did we get it right back then? 
I have broadcast radio and media research consultant Mark Ramsey from markramsey.com on the line right now to discuss the future of radio and podcasting and also what are the in-car experiences that we can expect around um, on-demand radio and podcasting or some hybrid of the two and what is it going to be like to combine broadcast radio and on-demand radio like podcasting in the future. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Rob. Happy to be here. Yeah, we go way back. I, I remember having you on a show that I did for the IT Conversations uh, Network back in uh, 2005. Uh, it was part of my web talk radio show that I was doing, and we talked about a lot of cool stuff around the predictions on what's happening with radio, because back in 2005 was kind of an early days uh, run at, at um, online radio, and, and podcasting was just kicking off back then. And we talked about, you know, radio topics um, back then relating to podcasts and online radio and streaming and and how it appeared that those mediums, those new mediums were going to start taking a uh, chunk of the radio listening time. And I thought that, that back then that that shift was happening. Do you think that uh, thinking back after about eight years or so that uh, it's happened to the degree that you thought it was back then? Well, I think, first of all, whatever I said eight years ago, it was all correct. Uh, I don't know what it was, but I'm positive it was correct, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, as, as far as, yeah, I think what we've been seeing in the interim, first of all, I think that conversation, as I recall, dealt a lot with podcasting in particular, which was particularly new and fresh at the time. Yep. Um, in the interim, I think what we've really seen is the rise of the proverbial other, uh, where if in a fixed amount of time, you can only devote it to a certain number of places. Yes, you can share more than one place at a time. I can watch TV and use a mobile device. I can watch TV and use a mobile device and, gosh, I guess I can have the radio on, but I can't listen to the radio and watch <laughs> TV at the same time. Yeah. So um, there's a limit to how attention can stretch. And I think what's it's not so much that all this stuff eats into everything else. It's that it nudges it aside a little bit. And that at the end of the day, it's not that people – it's a light switch thing like VHS to DVD was. It's more of a kind of soft fade where things share you know, the personal bandwidth we call time. Yeah, and I, there's only so much time to go around, right? So There is only so much yeah. time to go around. And that, by the way, is why you see – uh, take a look at my my opening presentation from the from the conference we're going to talk about later, and you'll see that I share some statistics about the changes in um, uh, the average quarter hour rating for radio, which is the fraction of the population that's listening to radio right now over time, and the numbers are down. Uh, radio industry will folks will tell you that you know there's tons of people listening to radio, a huge fraction of everybody listens to ra to the radio. That may be true, but they're not spending as much time. As they used to, they're not here as many occasions as they used to be, and the reason is not just uh, podcasts and Pandora. The reason is mobile devices and cell phones and iPhones and uh, Game Boys and uh, Xbox and yeah. Netflix and everything else that uh, and Roku, everything else that distracts us, and and video games that attention um, that that. Um, uh, that target our valuable attention. Yeah, and I think that that's a really fascinating point. And I'm not sure that a lot of a lot of folks in podcasting or in the broadcast or radio business really think about that. Is that their their new competition is all these other forms of media out there that occupy people's people's mind share, right? 
That's right. And the, yeah. the difficulty that audio has in general, and this is something I'm, I'm gearing up to write about this. I haven't really done it yet, but I've talked to a couple of people about it. The difficulty of audio in general is that while a picture is worth a thousand words, it takes a thousand words to paint a picture. And in a time when our time is stretched, when our attention is stretched, um, we may not want to devote a thousand words worth of time. Um, We don't devote, you know, it used to be you'd watch two minutes of a YouTube video. Now it's like, you know, a six second vine is more than sufficient. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, exactly. It, the, the, the challenge that audio has is that audio isn't suited to a, to a six-second experience, right? Yeah, and I think that, I mean, if you look at uh, places like uh, YouTube, which, you know, there's whole kind of new show um, shows that are coming on online there that are less than five minutes long, you know, and it's it's like I come from a generation, and I probably you do as well, that there is an expectation that uh, content is longer than just two minutes, right? I mean, it's hard to get a lot of value out of something that's only two minutes long. Well, uh, it used to be, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, then how to explain these five-minute shows? How to explain the fact that, yeah. you know, we can say there's it's not enough time to deliver content, but then if people get only two minutes of viewing out of a 30-minute video, who are we to say that's not enough time? Yeah. Well, Obviously, the audience yeah. has spoken. That's and right. I, I think in the audio context, the challenge is going to be, that, uh, you know, these – and I – look, I create longer-form content myself. I do it for a specialized audience. I recognize it's not for everybody. But for anybody who's creating content that's intended for a broad audience, um, I think there's going to – you're going to have to think through how you capture and sustain attention. And you're going to have to think through how to formulate that content so as to match it to people's uh, desire, ability, and interest to allocate that attention to you. Yeah, and I think that's that's a little bit of the tug-of-war that we have going on with content today is that um, um, oftentimes value comes from having more information there, right, versus shorter bites of information tends to be less detailed, but those tend to get more attention these days because people are stretched, like you say, for their their attention spans. They only have a couple of minutes to spend with something or or that's how we've trained ourselves now to, to think about, you know, in the Twitterization of, of media is uh, shorter is, is better. But it may not necessarily be better in all genres or all topics. And I think that's the tug of war that we have going on right now. Well, we have to separate the, the what we mean by better from what we mean by popular. Yeah, that's right. Um, because, that's I point. mean, you know, I think it, it, you look through uh, five ways to use Pinterest for your business. I mean, I, c- I could read that same article a hundred times and would have five different ways each time. But as long as it's phrased five ways, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, that's what's going to get read because yeah. it's a lot shorter than ten ways or a long article with nothing bolded, nothing underlined, and nothing numbered. I mean, but it's that kind of editorial – uh, cosmetics almost that we need to apply to audio. Uh, and I would direct people, people like you, people like everybody, quite frankly, in this space to, uh, you know, one of our most derided art forms, television news, local television news. Yeah. Because there they take what could be hours of programming and they spend a whole lot of time uh, telescoping content, teasing content, uh, boiling down content. Uh, repeating content, excerpting content. Yeah. I mean, it, it's there's a science to it, 
and that science is built to uh, grab, capture, and sustain attention. Boy, and it can be frustrating, though, to go through it, though. <laughs> it's like, when is that segment coming up in that, you know, in the news program that they promoted the last four breaks, right? Yes, uh, speaking yeah. as the person who tuned in for every one of those minutes to get to that segment. Exactly right. Exactly. So it's, it's a, a struggle, but I, I oftentimes, and as you were saying that, I was thinking one interesting way to think about this is that maybe as content producers, we need to think more about um, shorter content as a catalyst for conversation. And maybe that's where the the justification really hits the road is, is that maybe over time here, maybe we're all going to become um, content providers that, that contribute to the discussion that happens by the audience, right? Well, what, what you two refer to as yeah. a catalyst for conversation, I would call a tease. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, for thing. example, and that's kind of that's kind of what talk radio was really built on, right? Uh, it, it, yes, but talk radio is also built on the notion that I'm going to talk for three hours today, yeah. three hours tomorrow, three hours the next three days after that, and uh, if you miss any portion of what I talk about, don't worry because I'll be back tomorrow <laughs> talking about just about the same thing. <laughs> For the same length of time, yeah. um, and you don't really miss anything. It's very much like soap operas. Talk, talk radio is like soap operas. Yep. You know, you miss a day, you miss almost nothing. I had a conversation with somebody, and I will not mention who, who was referring to a major talk radio talent and said, you know, if we just reran his show from last week today, would anybody notice? And somebody else in the meeting said, last week? We could rerun his show from last year and nobody would notice. <laughs> now, whenever that's the case, what you're creating is wallpaper, audio wallpaper. You're not really creating something um, that is certainly for audience which have as many choices as we have today and as many ways to, uh, to, to, to exercise those choices. That's the fundamental gap between kind of spoken, so-called spoken word radio and all the stuff that we can do online. Yeah. With that, you know, part of what we talked about back in 2005 was the shrinking audience for broadcast radio and how that's going to impact, you know, kind of major terrestrial broadcasters. How do you think that the the major terrestrial broadcasters are are kind of adjusting to this new world? Kicking and screaming. Uh, with the <laughs> emphasis on too, yeah. The emphasis on screaming. And there's also uh, look Part of, again, watch the opening um, presentation I did for my HiVeo conference and you'll yep. see how I lay this out because I said, look, you know, the, the statistics that have been popularized in the radio industry say more listeners than ever, et cetera, et cetera. And when I show you the stats that say the fraction of the population listening right now to the radio is off 9% in the past two years alone. I mean, that's a chilling statistic. But I said the reason for that statistic isn't to paint some kind of, you know, dank, dark picture about radio. It's to say the radio is no different from any other major medium with mass attention. Television, film, they've all suffered this. Yeah. Um, people are consuming as much or more content than ever before. They're just not doing it in the traditional channels to the same extent. And why in the world would radio be different? So when you buy into the notion that radio is not different from those things, that it's not quote-unquote special – compared yeah. to those things, then you have a basis to plan that's based on reality rather than based on, uh, you know, rainbows and, and unicorns. And I like to base the future uh, on reality. And I think a lot of the, the um, uh, broadcasters that are kicking and screaming are arguing that nothing's broken, uh, we're as relevant as ever, we're as used as ever, 
people are here in the same numbers they always have been. We're just not telling our story well enough. That to me is naive. Yeah. Well, it's also that erosion is happening, like you said, to all the, the traditional media. I mean, even movies. They're, and it's okay, right? Yeah, they're, they're happening because there's a lot more competition for it's, people's attention now. It's and okay. It's just, yeah, it if you is go okay. to Paramount, I yeah. just read a book. I'm reading a book now that talks about it talks about uh, Linda Obst is uh, Sleepless in Hollywood, I think it's called. Yeah. And she talks about her time at Paramount on the TV side. And she said well, she goes into Paramount and Paramount views itself as a multi-platform content company. Paramount Pictures. <laughs> yeah, a multi-platform content company. And you know, ironically, one of the themes of my presentation the other week was content and platforms, content and platforms. Yep. What's the solution to shrinking attention? It's content and platforms. It's being in more places, in more forms, whatever the form is that fits that place for that particular audience. And it's providing content that's worth seeking out. This, by the way, is the fundamental opportunity in, in uh, the dashboard, too. Yeah, it's just, well, it's just moving to where people are moving to, right? I mean, as a content provider, you have to move to where your audience is more likely to be. And I think it's really just as simple as that. And that's, I think that the radio folks have kind of forgotten about probably up to this point is that their audience is shifting. They need to shift too. Well, part of the challenge is that the, the, you know, radio is evaluated based on radio ratings and radio ratings are passive instruments. So they'll, you know, they'll, they'll passively measure what audio signals are in the area. And that's fine, but that is a universe of radio stations only, right? Yeah. That's right. So when I spend my time listening to a podcast, all of that is off the shelf. When I spend my time watching a, a, a Netflix, all of that is off the shelf. When I spend my time, you know, playing a video game, that's off the shelf. So wherever that attention goes... Um, wherever my time goes, if it's not to another radio station, it's not measured. And if it's not measured, it doesn't exist to radio. And if it doesn't exist, how are they supposed to respond to us strategically? So sooner or later, the business models need to catch up with the choices available to consumers because here's what's going to happen. Dollars will follow attention. Dollars will follow attention. It may not be steady. It may not be proportional. And it may not be fast, but it is inevitable. Yeah, and one other thing that we talked about back back eight years ago was how major Stop reminding me about this eight years thing. <laughs> was um, <laughs> that major celebrities were going to lead the audience growth for podcasting. And I know as you think about it today, nothing's really changed in that front. I think it's really fascinating. If you think about um, broadcast radio celebrities, right, like the Howard Stearns and the, the Sean Hannity's and those those kind of folks that have built big, big celebrity status – around radio, a lot of those folks are not really building big celebrity statuses um, on podcasting yet. And there's a whole fresh new breed of the Kevin Smiths and the Adam Carollas. And some of these guys have been able to make that shift, right? But where do you see the whole development of major media celebrities becoming um, big spoken word audio creators? Look, the reason why you have a radio show rather than open your doors on a podcast is because you get much more attention much quicker and that invites, you know, besides the money, if there is any, uh, you get much more attention much quicker. That's why even the people with the podcast would trade their right arm for a radio gig on top of that podcast or at least a radio piece to the podcast pie. Certainly Kevin Smith would. Yeah, but I would say that quite a few of them like an Adam Carolla uh, would not. uh, He says he would not. But if someone went to Adam and said, Adam, with no additional work on your part, we're going to air some of your podcasts and we're going to write you the following check, Adam would say, yes, 
thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, what Adam doesn't want to do is trade in his podcast empire and get another radio job where he has to get up at four in the morning five That's days true. a week for four hours. And I don't That's blame true. him. That's true. You know, I mean, this is part of the problem. The problem is that Kevin Smith doesn't produce nearly the amount of content that we expect the average radio talk host to produce because the Internet doesn't require that. You know, you and I as listeners don't require that. Even radio listeners don't require that. Look, the reason why radio talk radio shows are three hours long, five days a week, isn't because the average person listens to 15 hours of content. That's because people it's are be tuning in and out, right? They're tuning in and out. So yeah. in other words, yeah. it's built to be grazed, not to be consumed front to back. So the stuff that podcasts are, are creating are, are built ideally to be consumed front to back. You don't need as much. Uh, the problem that, uh, you know, that's a challenge for broadcasters because in an ideal world, broadcasters would say, well, here's this wealth of content Adam Carolla's creating. You mean to tell me I can't figure out a way to put that on my air and monetize that without having 15 hours of it a week or 20 hours a week? Seriously? I mean, we're asking too much of people, and that's why the yeah. talented people would rather put a, a blue Nessie mic on their table and record a radio show for one hour a week, uh, whether it's Aisha Tyler or Kevin Smith or, yeah. uh, or Adam Carolla or now John Lovitz. Yeah. Is going to do his own. Yeah, I've well, never seen a, I've never seen a successful podcast um, do three hours of uh, content a day. <laughs> no, but you, what what you see are yeah. radio shows that repurpose their shows as podcasts, and That's those right. can run three hours a day. And while they That's get right. downloaded a lot, I'm sure most of it's not consumed. It can't yeah. possibly be consumed. It's too much. Yeah. It, it's it's just too much. So the problem is. How do you have this 24-7, 365 broadcasting asset and make use of all this incredible content, some of which may be very short short form? Yeah, and also one other piece to this pie, too, is that, is that a lot of those podcasters that are used to the freedom that exists on the digital side with podcasting for um, language and, right. and length is also a big factor there, too. They can, they can vary their, their weekly show or their daily show. It can be 20 minutes. It can be an hour and a half, uh, whatever they want to make it, it's not locked into a certain duration. And, and that would be one big hindrance. That I would say for like Kevin Smith is, is around language, right? Well, you know, but, and Kevin said to me though, he said, you know, look, I could work clean <laughs> and not only can you work clean, but if I'm a broadcast company yeah. and someone's providing me name brand top drawer, uh, yeah. content, and all I have to do is hire an editor for $10 an hour. Yeah. I can hire an editor for $10 yeah, sure, an hour, sure. and they can edit that show. And the question is, you know, if you can run Loveline at 10 p.m. at night, Monday through Friday, or whatever the heck it is, you know, why couldn't you theoretically run, you know, a Kevin Smith's show or an Adam Carolla show in that? So why doesn't that make economic sense? Yeah. Why hasn't someone done that deal? Why haven't broadcasters evolved to the kind of uh, model that they had back in the 40s? where uh, they were dealing with exclusive content until television stole it. Here we go again. We've got an opportunity for more exclusive content. And for any of these podcasts, uh, yes, they have their audiences. And in many cases, their audiences are big. Their audiences pale in comparison to what they could be if they were exposed on the radio, flat out, unambiguously. Mm -hmm. So what's going to happen here? Is it going to evolve? Uh, this content is going to evolve to be more like radio, or is it going to be evolved to be more like um, online radio, like a like a podcast? I mean, what's the ultimate destination of this, or or are we going to continue to see two worlds coexist? 
I mean, as you think about it, I know we're, we're going to move into talking about, you know, in-car experiences. And, and I think that that question, I think, kind of galvanizes that topic, right, is how are those worlds going to kind of um, come together, right? Well, I think it's all part of one big world. This is what's not yeah. understood well among broadcasters, that there's no such thing as radio as apart from Pandora as apart from podcasts. Yep. It's all part of one big spectrum. Yep. And if you take it out far enough, you could argue, well, even video is part of that same spectrum. Mm. I'm working with people now right. to do video versions of their radio stations. Why not? If it can be engineered uh, and presented on the, the plat- on the digital platform, why shouldn't people be able to tap into a video version of my radio station such that all the songs roll one into the next just like a video music channel back in the day, but it's my curated list of content. It's my DJs with cameras in front of their faces. Why not? Yeah, I well, let's go ahead and dive into the whole topic of um, of radio in the car, right? And okay. how, how that's going to kind of evolve and change here. And, and I mean, because we're already starting to see the very early stages of that. And at a fairly recent uh, radio conference, I don't remember what the name of it was, there was some panelists from some car manufacturers that were saying that there's a plan or thought to remove AM, FM radios from cars sometime in the next five years or, or less. And I got the impression that that really kind of rattled the radio industry. What was your observation when that happened? That turned out to be very much a misquote. That was a misremembering of the conversation. And when yep. that conversation was recalled, was, and when he went back mm-hmm. to his notes or the audio on that conversation, he realized that he had completely misconstrued uh, what that individual said. And that individual did not imply yeah. Um, what what you just said. So, I mean, it, but the evidence is quite clear. Look, anybody who understands consumers know that nobody wants anything taken away. They only want things added. Yep. Um, the people who want, uh, who, I want the choice of not using a VHS anymore. Thank you very much. I don't want you to choose it for me. Yep. And when enough people like me make our choice, that's when you make yours. <laughs> and not until then. You don't arbitrarily tell me what my options are going to be, Mr. Automaker. Yeah. And so that AMFM thing was always a misunderstanding from the get-go. The automakers do plenty of, uh, of research and know exactly what people want. So, um, so yeah, I'm not worried about that at all. So to kind of jump into that, where the reality of that comment came from was what was the fact that there's going to be more experiences coming into the car that will be connected up with either your mobile right. phone or directly connected to 3G or 4G networks um, into the head unit of the vehicle itself. So so basically what, right. what's going to happen is that the car is going to become like a, like a mobile computer, basically, that's going to have apps and the Pandora apps or Stitcher apps or whatever service that you want to um, want to use will ultimately be probably available in your car um, through either through your phone or through the, the head unit of the vehicle. And how do you think that if that in fact is the case, that that's the direction that things are going, that certainly looks like it, how do you think that's going to impact the, the radio industry? How are they going to, you think, evolve with that scenario? I think they're going about it the wrong way so far because the way they're going about it so far is, uh, you know, let's be everywhere. Let's have, have, you know, have mobile apps. Let's be accessible in the car in more ways and forms and so on. I I think you need to recognize that if people stray, they're going to stray because something is compelling them to – something is attracting them. So success in the car is is increasingly going to be about attracting people – to a destination, not about defending turf that was yours simply because it was a black box nobody could gain access to, 
which is historically how it's been. It's been either, you know, eight tracks, cassettes, CDs, now uh, chords going into your uh, iPhones, uh, ultimately uh, just about anything. So this notion that radio used to own kind of the, the dynamic content in the car, uh, now radio will be one of many ways to get dynamic content in the car. So what's going to happen? Well, the advantage is going to shift to uh, the most compelling dynamic content in the car. And most compelling maybe compelling for me is different from compelling for you. Yeah. So in other words, it should be a battle for content. Uh, it should be about having the most unique and compelling content they possibly can have, especially since a radio uniquely right now has the ability to kind of attract, groom, and um, popularize uh, that kind of content. Yep. It, it, at least it has that possibility, whether it's, whether it's exercising it or not, and it's another question. So where do you see satellite radio fitting into the, the picture here? I think satellite radio is going to continue to tinker along, to, to, to tick along, and, uh, and grow modestly year after year. I mean, it's, it's basically built into every new car now. You have to decide not to take it. You don't decide to take it. That's a critical thing, by the way. I mean, who wouldn't want their – it would be like putting your podcast on every new car and say you're subscribed for six months and after that you have to decide to cancel it yeah. <laughs> It's versus, hey, um, hopefully you'll find out about this. Hopefully you'll stick this on your car. Hopefully you'll subscribe to this. Well, one is infinitely more likely than the other. It's way more difficult to cancel satellite radio than it is to sign up for it. So the fact that it's built in standard equipment makes all the difference in the world. That means people have to stop using it. So I think it's going to continue to um, mm -hmm. chug along uh, and it continue to be a valid source for attention. Uh, certainly, they've got a lot of you know quality content on there. In addition to the you know the music channels will be pretty redundant to what you can get from other places. Yeah. But if I'm accustomed to being in a satellite radio environment, why do I need the other places? You know, Pandora is a great solution if I want to personalize my music, but it's not a great solution if I just want a good jazz station or a good hip hop station or a good pop station. I can yeah, get that a, from Sirius. Yeah, or even a, a good spoken word program or station, right? Well, can't get you know, that either with, yeah, with the, Pandora. Yeah, that that's right, and that's that's a, another conversation we can have. Yeah. So, given the history of radio, you know, it's been uh, focused primarily on uh, local live events, music, talk, news, talk, and other spoken content. Um, so as you think about Pandora, Pandora is very focused on music, right? It's trying to create a terrific experience around music. It seems to me like either one of two things is going to happen. Either one or, or more of these big music platforms is going to adopt the full spectrum of what people expect from radio. Or we're going to have, just like the iPhone today, there's separate apps for everything, right? And you have to have this, you know, a separate app for talk radio, a separate app for live events, a separate app for music, and a separate app for, for this and that. And how do you see that playing out? Well, I, you know, I think that there's going to be an attempt to create, you know, a rainbow of options, including all of the above. I mean, that's what's certainly what's going to be created is all of the above. Now, what's going to be popular may not be all of the above. Because you have this, these conflicting realities. On the one hand, there's going to be an, a temptation to pack in more features, right? On the other hand, uh, the stuff that's most easily communicated is the stuff that's simplest to, to convey. And the simpler you are, the more single-focused single the problem you solve, right? Yeah. So, yeah, here's the live event app. Great. 
here's the only personalized music app. Great. Uh, you start grouping that together. Now I can get news in my personalized music. Okay, well, I didn't know about that. Okay. Now I can turn on and off personalities. Okay, well, I don't know if I need that or not, but it's a little hard to describe. Yeah. And the, hard, the, the more stuff you pack in, the harder it is to describe. And the shakier the assumption that you're solving a problem. And the more it looks like what you're really doing is trying to recreate radio on a different platform. And the thing about radio is that it works quite well for what it does, for what it's intended to do, and for what people look to it for. It is great. Hmm. Radio does a great job. We don't look to our radio to be personalized. We don't look to our radio to be commercial free. We we say we wish it were, but we also are not inclined to pay for it. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, And if we are, there are ways to do that, and most people clearly do not. So, you know, what we say we want and what we we gravitate for are two different things. There's going to be a temptation for nice, clean, lean things like a Pandora to grow, you know, warts all over the place in a a search for um, for new listener uh, value propositions. And um, as uh, their CTO said to me, you know, at the Hyvio event a couple weeks ago, they're going to move very cautiously down that path because they don't know, first of all, that they need to. There's this expectation they will yeah. from this notion that somehow everything's going to end up looking like radio and radio like everything else. But I don't think that's necessarily true. He did, however, hint of where they would likely evolve if they evolve out of music only. And I thought that was pretty interesting, actually. Yeah, I think it was something around uh, making um, shows that would be about music, right, as almost like a suggestion engine or a sampling tool, right, or something like that. Well, he he basically – the the implication that he he gave was that any uh, non-music content on the radio would be non-music content about music. Yeah. So that tells me it's more of a – you know, like a – it it reminds me – of uh, the early days of FM radio, yeah. Uh, when uh, you know you had the they were playing these you know crazy rock tunes that you couldn't hear anywhere else. Yep. God knows your favorite AM top forty station wouldn't play them, yep. and uh, they had DJs that you know knew something about the artist, knew something about the music, and talked about that. Yep. I mean, it may be kind of a return to that because Pandora is a very music centric experience, and I don't mean that just in terms of the. The, the quality of the content, but the, um, the the attraction to people who are interested in music. Yeah, I think it's more what um, built a lot of uh, music is like a K-Rock out of Los Angeles, right, that w- would have bands on to talk about the music and things like that. So is that more like what you're thinking? I don't know if it would be bands, but it would probably be people who know music. Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. But it could be. It could be, you know, singers or it could be bands or whatever that could come through and talk about it. It could be. They, their, their if they go too far down that path. I, th- I think they'll hear about it because uh, anyone who's ever listened to a band interview <laughs> knows that few things are as, you know, maybe short of getting teeth pulled yeah. are as unpleasant. That's As true. That. It can be. It can be. You're, you're exactly right. So I guess if you think about what the, the history of broadcast radio has been, it, it has been fairly siloed into separate channels, right? So you have a, a radio station that's focused on music, and then you have a radio station that's focused on talk and live and news, weather and sports station. And I guess you could draw the same analogy to apps, right, that could um, – that, that's very similar to that kind of concept in people's minds. My – my only concern about that is as you look at um, ease of use and simplicity mm-hmm. and safety in the car, right, uh, around complexity. 
on being able to to navigate um, this this world of apps and these worlds of of content um, successfully in the car. I don't know what's your thoughts on that. Well, I, I guess that's where a lot of the heat is right now. I mean, wasn't yeah. it uh, Ford that had to put uh, knobs back in their car? Yeah, that's uh, right. because not because of the complexity of the dash, but because all those buttons. It just you know people wanted knobs. Yeah. People embraced something that I mean, look knobs are the mechanical equivalent of radio. Yep. Um, people are comfortable with what they're comfortable with, and you don't fix what ain't broke. So the problem that broadcasters are going to face is not that they need to be in places in the dashboard that they aren't. The problem is going to be they need to be worth listening uh, for people who now have infinitely more choices. Yeah, so they need to be better better content creators is what you're saying. Better content creators. And you know what? If, uh, again, if I'm – Clear Channel, if I'm CBS, if I'm Cumulus right now, and Kevin Smith is out there producing audio content for free, essentially, I want to do a deal with him, don't I? (laughs) Don't I want to do a deal with him? Don't I want to do a deal with Adam Carolla? Don't I want to have these assets in my portfolio in some way? Don't I want to try and monetize this content given this is, this may not be the future of radio. This is the future of attention. Yeah, I think that that, that's true. I think you could um, draw a similar analogy to what's happening with YouTube and the the big studios is that there's this kind of this envy that's starting to brew around video content too, uh, moving from from the online medium back to broadcasts. And you're seeing podcasts make that jump too, where there's, you know, like a Mark Marin um, being mm-hmm. successful in podcasting and then taking that same kind of concept, right, and the same kind of um, show and converting it into a video program or a TV show. So you have this kind of this cross-media thing, and it gets back to what you were talking about. It's just, it's about content. It really, this whole method of distribution gets uh, a little bit, becomes a little bit more not as relevant to the conversation right it's just that's right i mean yeah. you know ultimately you're a, you're a you're a platform content company yeah. uh like paramount pictures and what do they do they do deals with talent they uh they they uh wrap them around uh projects and they spread those uh, projects uh and that talent in different forms shapes and sizes across different platforms and then they do it again Yep. That's what they do, and they don't always work, and it is not cheap, but when it pays off, it pays off. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it at all, yeah, and so, I, yeah, I think so, that's, the, uh, that's, yeah. the, that's the, the opportunity going forward is for, for radio to, to look at some of these things and say, man, you know what? What if we got in business with Kevin Smith? What would that look like? Yep, yep. You know, what, what, could we, what if we have a meeting with Kevin Smith and we say, Kevin, you know, we're Clear Channel. What can we do for you? And then what can you do for us? Let's put aside what it costs. Let's just talk about what we can do together. Same for, you know, Corolla. Not, hey, Adam, we want to hire you for 20 hours a week, 50 weeks a year. That's the wrong conversation. That's not the one he wants to have at any price. Yeah, he just wants it to be a, a project that he can work on that, that dovetails with what he's already doing, right? Not necessarily be a standalone job, but it would be kind of like another way that he can distribute his brand, right? That the, the broadcast folks can take advantage of. Just That's like, right. I mean, Kevin yeah. Smith told me that when he does morning radio shows, which he does regularly because he does them in the markets where he does live events, yeah. he said the morning radio shows are what sell the live events. That's yeah. what makes a live event sell out is when he does the morning radio show. And that's well, how he makes most of his money. And too. that's how yeah. he makes his money from the morning, from the, from the live events. Yep. Um, I mean, you can't get into that business with somebody 
I mean, you can't I, – again, I, I, it's just yeah. – I'm incredulous at this. Yeah. The idea that people don't look at this and say, how do we get in business with talent such that the talent achieves their goals, we achieve ours, and together we make something bigger than either of us could have otherwise. There is no question that uh, – and I'll just use this as an example. Clear Channel with Kevin Smith – does new, different, profitable things that they can't do without. And there's no question that Kevin Smith with Clear Channel uh, gets more attention and more money than he can without. No question. Yeah, that's right. So maybe that's something that uh, we're going to see happen over the next... Well, uh, you and I need a broadcast group, couple of years. Uh, That's yeah, quite there obvious. There you go. There you go. Well, anyway, let's talk a little bit about your online uh, radio conference that you did uh, with Hivio, right? Hivio, that's right, yep. yes. Yep. Uh, as in a hive of smart people kind of in and around the radio space. Yeah, it was intended to be kind of a, um, the first of its kind radio ideas festival where we bring in people. It was here in San Diego a couple of weeks ago. We bring in people at hivio.com. Yep. We bring in people, uh, HIVIO, uh, from outside radio and talk about ideas that might be relevant to people in radio. I don't know the whole list of people we had there. We had everybody from the COO of the San Diego Union Tribune, obviously a huge local media company in Southern California, to uh, the head of a digital agency in the area. We had uh, some entrepreneurs who had some great platforms that they were uh, pitching to broadcasters. We had a guy who is the... Um, uh, the head of something called National uh, Comedy Theater, which does improv, and he did some improv demos and brought people on the stage, and it was it was touchy feely. It was awesome because again, you know what happens behind a mic. That's why he was there, and you know nobody ever talks to improv people about stuff like that. They only talk to each other, yeah. uh, and that's one of the main leave behinds of the of the event was we got to stop talking just amongst ourselves and start reaching out to people outside of the industry which is where all the good ideas are which is where all the ideas are for that matter it's true that, that that's certainly true and i know that a lot of those sessions from that conference are are available on your website right well what we're doing is you know is intended as a media event not as a money-making conference i mean the conference itself was free uh, it was invitation only. It was, you know, 50 to 75 seats and it was free. Um, and every uh, presentation is going to be one week at a time, basically. We're uh, posting them to my site at markramseymedia.com. And uh, so far, we put up my opening presentation last week. The Q&A with, uh, with the CTO of Pandora uh, happens um, next week. It'll go up at the top of the week. And um, that's uh, going to be exciting. And then we'll keep rolling them out thereafter. And here's the thing about this is it's getting so much attention. I mean, the, the lives, we live streamed it and the live streams alone have a communal, I don't know, it's probably up to about 1100 views at this point, which for a vertical thing in the radio industry is a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, we're probably between 350 and 400 views on my opening presentation at this point. And every single one of these is going to do that. So we're going to have thousands of communal views on the content of this event, which makes it well larger than any other radio industry happening this year in terms of exposure and impact. And uh, my intention, my desire is to make this as much a, a, um, a movement as an event because uh, the theme of the whole thing was content and platforms. Sure. And without content and platforms, um, we're just a utility and uh, who cares about the electric company? <laughs> so are you going to hold the event next year too? The plan, uh, well, you know, uh, I I have not definitely said yes, <laughs> okay, but uh, all signs as as the uh, as the uh, um, crystal ball was all signs point to yes. Okay, fantastic. That's great. Well, I 
I'm definitely going to follow it and uh, watch all of the videos because I know that you know a lot of the things that you talked about are very similar to what we've talked about today. But but you're actually talking to the the industry leaders and people that are working in different parts of this that uh, can actually make it happen. So it'll be interesting to to follow that. And then uh, why don't you also tell us a little bit about uh, your company, uh, Mark Ramsey Media, and what you're trying to do there? Sure. Well, the 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 company I do two things. I do strategic research for broadcasters and people like broadcasters, so people in the space uh, and around the space, television and radio. And, uh, you know, research designed to get more audience, get more engagement, get more ratings, whatever it may be. And then the other thing I do is really strategy consultation. So I'll work with uh, brands, I'll work with entrepreneurs, I'll work with people in and around the radio space uh, trying to get, you know, smart, new, forward-thinking projects off the ground or to try and bring their uh, strategies on trend and make them more effective because, you know, there's so much going when the very definitions of an industry are in flux. It's a time of great volatility, but also a time of great potential. And, and navigating that path is really critical. And in order to do that, you got to kind of see things clearly. You got to see your strengths and weaknesses clearly. You have to see what the opportunities are clearly. And you have to not read from, you know, industry propaganda bullet points you have to recognize that uh, making plans for the future um, is going to be much more successful if you make them based on the truth of today, not the um, you know wishful thinking of today. Where are the best places for people listening to this uh, to to read more about you and uh, follow what you're doing? Uh, the blogs at markramseymedia.com, uh, Twitter's at markramseymedia, R-A-M-S-E-Y. That's Mark with a K, okay. and um, uh, and then the event. Uh, which is a whole separate sign-up thing, is highvo.com. And what's cool about that is um, I'm trying to make that kind of an exclusive club. So anybody who signs up there, I'm sending the videos to those people early. Uh, they get last week, I, uh, I included the um, SlideShare deck from the presentation, which I published nowhere else. So I'm trying to put some exclusive goodies in there too for anybody who bothers to sign up for HiVio. Sure, that's great. Well, Mark, thanks so much for spending so much time with me. Rob, thank you, and uh, don't be a stranger for another eight years. Of course not. No, no, I think we're in a whole new new phase of podcasting and the online side, and I'm I'm really excited about it. And you know, I'm really excited to to see what Norm Pettits from Podcast One is going to pull off. I don't know if you're following him and what he's doing, trying to take the model that he built you know around Westwood One and transferring it over to the online side. Yeah, That's we'll see. It's very interesting. Well, Mark, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, it was certainly great to speak with Mark again. Go check out his um, his conference website at hivio.com and also his website at markramseymedia.com. Well, that's it for this week. And I'm Rob Greenlee, the podcast guy for Windows Phone. Thanks again for listening to my thoughts here. I also co-host the new media show every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, noon Eastern Time with Todd Cochran, who's the CEO of uh, Raw Voice, uh, the maker of the PowerPress plugin for WordPress. Uh, You can catch that live show um, at geeknewscentral.com, and you can also get uh, uh, past shows at newmediashow.com is the place to get the the past uh, shows that we've done. And I definitely want to hear from you on any ideas that you have for topics for this show uh, and what you think 
really about the topics that I cover on this show and get your ideas, I, I will definitely mention them on the show. And if you uh, want to send those to rob at robgreenlee.com, that'd be great. Uh, if you have uh, a desire to create an audio episode, you're certainly welcome to send me an MP3 and I can play that and then comment um, after your comments on the show. And if you want to reach me on Twitter, I can also be found at Rob Greenlee. And you can also leave comments in my blog at uh, robgreenlee.com. So, and if you're a podcaster and you want to get your podcasts into the Windows Phone Zoom uh, podcast area at Microsoft, uh, shoot me your feed to podcasts at microsoft.com. And thanks for listening this week, and we'll be back with a new episode next week. Thanks. Bye.